Welcome back to the Laravel Podcast. Today, we're talking to Marcel Posio, the founder of Botman, the framework agnostic PHP chatbot package. Try saying that two times, 10 times fast. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Laravel Podcast. This is season three where we're doing interviews. It's the people you know, getting to know aspects of them you never understood. Or it's also finding some people who you probably have used their tools or you've seen them, but you don't actually necessarily know who they are. Those names who you've been putting to GitHub require or to compose a require for ages, but never actually known who the person is. So the guy we have us in front of us today, I'm actually curious to see what his entire history of working with Laravel is. But the current most present one that's going on right now is connecting Laravel to chatbots and Slack bots and all this kind of stuff. And this is called Botman, but there's a lot more going on here. So first of all, we start with the point where I massacre somebody's name, and then we move on to the next point where I ask that person to say their name correctly and then introduce themselves a little bit. So Marcel Poziot, that's close, not perfect. He's still smiling, so I didn't massacre too badly. Can you tell us, and I'm, I'm probably going to end up calling you just Marcel uh, through the rest yeah, of this because it's fine. easier for me to say. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of just, just real quick, you don't have to tell us your whole life story. I'll ask you all these questions, but who are you? What are you doing? What are you about? What's Botman? You know, what's your new company? And just kind of give us the basics of like, what, what should we know about you? Okay. Uh, so yeah, my name is Marcel Puziot. I think that's, that's at least the German pronunciation. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I co-founded the company like in December uh, last year. Congratulations. So, thank you. Uh, very fresh. Uh, still, I think, I think you're one of the first people that I actually tell this uh in person that's i not got the insider the track family man. <laughs> <laughs> and friends because uh the website isn't finished yet so mm. um yeah and i think i'm i'm quite around in the laravel community for a bit mm -hmm. so so you've been working i've i've known you just kind of generally in the laravel community but you're one of those people where I know that I've known you, but I don't even know how we originally connected. Now, you you mentioned that we spoke together at a conference, so that, that might have been it. But did you have any early claims to fame in the Laravel community? Were there any packages that you did earlier on that that were more popular, or is it just that you've been around for a while that you're that you're known? Do you know? Well, I I did a few. Um, there's there's one I think it's called it's called Teamwork for mm -hmm. some user team association. Yeah, package. I remember that. Uh, but they're all a bit older. When did you first first um, start using Laravel? Two and a half years ago, I think. I wasn't doing that much PHP like back in the days, so um, mm -hmm. at least not with frameworks. So at the companies I worked with, they were using self-built frameworks, which are usually crap. <laughs> yep, <this laughs> you do this true. once in your lifetime and never again. And well, I ended up at companies that did it all the time. Mm -hmm. And at one point, we decided that we built a SaaS application, and we were looking for a framework to use. And so this is pretty much the story I tell everyone when they ask me how I got into Laravel. So my boss was really into Zend because of okay. the whole Zend ecosystem with uh, Zend Studio and the Zend server. Um, so I looked into Zend Framework. I think it was two. Uh, I gave it a week. I gave it really... a my best shot. I, I even bought a book and <laughs> gave it a try. Yeah. And in the meantime, I looked around for other frameworks and discovered mm -hmm. Laravel. And what I yeah. did with Zen Framework in a week 
I did with Laravel in like an hour in the evening on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so this was like the main motivation to use Laravel then. Got it. Okay. And I, I, I do remember that one of the things that originally kind of I saw is that you were doing the Laravel notifications yeah, thing. Were you, right. Did you help kind of like co-manage that? Yeah. Or with, manage that? or With uh, Mohammed and Freik. Yeah. Okay, cool. Got it. So stepping back for a second, I, I had, I, it's so funny because I try not to go too deep in my own like ethnological and lang linguistic curiosities in the podcast because I know everybody else isn't quite as interested as I am. So one of the things I, I actually asked myself before we were on the call was, how is your English so good? And, you know, we went to that a little bit. But I, I, I must admit that based on your name, it sounds French to me. Yeah. But I know that you're, you live in Germany. Are yes. you French origin living in Germany no, or am no. I just totally... I hear that a that lot because I think it's also because of my first name. Because uh -huh. I'm, yeah, so yeah. people people try to pronounce it French. So I'm like Marcel Pocio or something. That's exactly like that. what I expected you yeah. to say when you first told me. Yeah. yeah. So as far as I can tell, the name uh, we can't trace it back that much. I think it's just okay. like two generations, uh, and it's okay. from Eastern Europe. So that's Got it. pretty much all I can say. Okay, but you're German. You live in Germany. Where do you live yeah. in Germany? Uh, near Düsseldorf. Okay. Which yeah. is near Cologne. So, yeah. Kuhn? Yeah. Kuhn, genau. I, yeah. I took a little bit of German in high school and college and promptly forgot the majority of it, but just enough that I can read a couple German storybooks to my kids and try to oh, cool. get a little bit of German heritage in for okay. them. So, yeah. My, uh, my sister was in a little bookstore, local bookstore, and found this, um, I don't know, what's it called? It's, I think it's like Sweet Dreams or something like that. Träumsus or something like Süße that. Süße Träume. So, yeah, anyway, it's this little kind of cute little blue book. And yeah. I, so I read it to my son over and over and over and over again. And, you know, my pronunciation was really bad on day one, but over time I got good at it. And then some point my wife found the exact same book in English. And so now with both of my kids, yeah. I read them both of the books back and forth. But my daughter is understanding enough English right now that when I read the German version to her, she's like, wait a minute, I don't understand this one. <laughs> like she gets mad at me when she goes and gets the English version. So anyway, cool. So I do remember there was another big one, the API documentation generator. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that project. Um, well, it's a tool that you can pull into your um, Laravel application and it will basically just read the routes that you define. So you can call it and give it like the prefix of the routes that you want documentation for and we'll scan the routes and create like this Stripe-like documentation so that you mm -hmm. have the documentation on the left and then code examples, how you can interact with the API on the right. And it does it by just parsing the routes and then uh, reading the documentation of the code. And is it is it its own thing or is it generating like a, one of the pre-existing kind of styles? You know what I mean? Because I've, I've never actually gotten to use it, but we are always looking for API documentation generators. Um, it's using, uh, it's a theme, it's called Slate. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's using this, yeah. Cool, very cool. And well, I'll put links in the show notes. So, so, but the the main two I think that I kind of see associated with name, your name right now are that API doc generator and then of course Botman, which we'll talk about in a minute. So those, th those are things, and then we've got your company. So let's real quick talk about what is Botman, where'd it come from, and then also what's your company, and then we're going to dig into the backstory. So okay. Botman, where did, what is Botman, what does it do, and where did it come from? Okay, uh, I start with, with where it came from. So uh, it was really just coincidence. Late 
2016, I guess, uh, Slack announced that they now have a new HTTP-based API. Mm-hmm. It's called Event API. So it's basically uh, before that, when you wanted to react to Slack events, like new messages, you had to connect through WebSockets. Mm-hmm. And the new API was basically just webhooks. So whenever right. a new Much action simpler. appears, yeah. Well, I mean, if you have a large Slack team, it will blast a lot of events <laughs> to your server. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so um, when I when I heard that Slack announced this API, I just thought that it would be cool to have a PHP API that wraps around it and have mm-hmm. like a elegant API around it. So yeah. sort of what, what Laravel is all about. And then apply this to Slack. And then I, I did this. I open sourced it. I think it was called just Slackbot at the time. Okay. And it lay around there for three or four months. I didn't do anything with it. And then I, I came up with the idea that it might be cool to connect multiple services to it. So not just okay. Slack, but also Telegram and Facebook Messenger. So yeah. that's like the main, main thing with Botman. It's I think it's one of the only, or maybe it's the only uh, PHP library that actually allows you to connect to multiple messenger services. Yeah. If it's not the only, it's the only one that matters. That's what right. I think. <laughs> uh, so it allows you to connect to these services with one API and reuse your code. So I think one of the hardest things for people to think about chatbots, I mean, everyone kind of hears like chatbots are the cool new thing or whatever. And often it's really difficult to understand in what context would I actually want to use this? What are some, some, so I think some of the simplest ones we've seen are, oh, well, when I hook into a code ship integration, something that already exists, but what are some of the, either in your personal use of it or in seeing other people use it, what are some of the most compelling uses of chatbots, whether it's in Slack or Telegram or whatever else that you've seen to kind of help people's imagination get started a little? I think, uh, I think the problem is that people always associate chatbots with these super artificial intelligence systems Mm -hmm. that understand whatever the user wants. And in my opinion, it's just a different interface for your application. Mm -hmm. So it's a conversational interface for your application. And what I've seen that was built with Botman a lot is like websites for, for example, for insurance companies. And on their website, they have this chat bubble that you know maybe from Intercom. Mm-hmm. And what it does, it, it guides you through the website. So when you click mm-hmm. on a button, the chatbot opens and asks you a question uh, related to the action that you triggered when you clicked on the button. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one use case. And I think... Now, yeah. let's st- I want to stop you for a second. So when I think of a chatbot, what I think about is something that allows someone to use a pre-existing chat system, like Facebook Messenger yeah. or something else, to interact with their backend API. What you're describing kind of sounds like an entirely manual process where you just used webhooks to hook into your app, right? Is Am I missing what, you, what you're talking about? No. Um, so that's that's also possible. Uh, with okay. Botman, there's, it's a web driver, so you can just connect it to your own API. Oh, then, got it. Okay. Uh, you send the, um, the message from your user to your own API and reply back. Okay, got it. But in the end, that's what happens with like Telegram or Facebook too. Yeah. So really, anything that has to do with sending and receiving messages to your user in a chat-like format. Yeah, right. Regardless of which chat format they're using. Okay. Exactly. And I think the the, the on-page one is just the, so so clear of an example. I mean, everyone you know has used a website with Intercom on it or one of Intercom's competitors at some point. So 
I get that one, and I think that's super compelling. And I'm I'm happy to know that if I need to build that, still reach for Botman. That's cool. I wouldn't have known that until you said that. Have you seen people use? I think the hard thing for me is that when I think about Telegram, I very or when I think about Facebook Messenger, I very infrequently think about interacting with someone who has enough money to have an API. I think of my friends. You know, I, I'm yeah. sending a message to my friend. My friend messages me back. Have you seen or heard of really compelling use cases where people are using traditional chat systems outside of Slack? I think Slack, we'll talk about yeah. in a second, but has anybody done anything interesting that you know of with Telegram or Messenger, or is, are those a little more aspirational at this point? Um, Messenger is used a lot for more marketing kind of services. So, mm -hmm. um, for example, TechCrunch has mm -hmm. this, well, it's, it's a chatbot where you can, um, when you sign up, you can register for different topics from their RSS feeds. Interesting. Whoa, whoa. And then you get... They're uh, using it to publish information out to yeah, people exactly. and people are subscribing. Yeah. So every evening, so you can select topics and then the time. Wow. And every evening I get like the top 10 stories from TechCrunch into you the just messenger. just blew my mind. I, so my, my son just started a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Shameless yeah. plug, stoppersonsires.com. <laughs> and... I have a whole bunch of people who I grew up with who are completely uncomputer savvy. And they're all yeah. saying, well, how do I subscribe to a podcast? And I'm like, oh gosh, how am I going to handle this? I could build a little light Laravel or Lumen app that subscribes to the RSS feed of the podcast and allows people to enter their, authenticate their messenger information and pushes every new episode to their messenger inbox. Yeah, right. Holy crap, you just blew my mind. That's amazing. <laughs> that is so cool. That is so clever. That opens up so many things for people to subscribe. Because everybody, you know, all your non-tech savvy friends, all your, non your, your mom, your grandma, all them, they all have Facebook, which yeah, means right. they all have Messenger. Yeah. And even, I think, even more like the younger generation, uh -huh. because they, they don't have MacBooks or laptops, they just have a mm -hmm. smartphone and use Messenger to communicate, so... Do you know, and I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to the weeds here, but I'm so fascinated. <laughs> if somebody doesn't use Messenger and they send something to like a Messenger authenticated thing, does it show up on the web interface in their little like messages thing in Facebook website? Uh, you mean if they don't use the Messenger application? If Like if somebody doesn't have an iPhone, but they go to Facebook.com on their browser every day, can they do Messenger interactions using the little... Um, yeah, yeah. You have messages. Too. Okay, so it's yeah. the same thing yeah. in Facebook's mind. Man, I I'm just I need to pause for a moment. This is so cool. Okay, so so broadcasting yeah right. makes a ton of sense. Broadcasting information. This it, in some ways you have some of the value, but a lot more configurability of like an RSS feed through multiple mediums of subscription. That makes a ton of sense, and I I get that now. Plus, I think uh, maybe this will change over time, but right now the uh, click rates are much higher because. It's not that overused as uh, like right. email newsletters. Right. So yeah, huh. yeah. For example, with it the feels tech more crunch, personal too, right? Yeah. Oh, right. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it it feels even though you know that you're not actually talking to someone at the mm -hmm. company, uh, it feels like you're interacting with the company. Yeah. Or with That's brands. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so the whole marketing thing is really popular on Facebook. So also for artists, they have chatbots that. You know, you can ask where's the next concert, and the the user feel like they are talking to I don't know Beyonce, whatever. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I was just going to ask about questions. <laughs> so that that one right there would be like it would feel like a little bit of natural language processing. Yeah. But if you can if you can do some of that, then you can have like ask questions of our whatever bot or whatever, and that that makes sense too. So you imagine that you are working for some big company like an insurance company maybe, 
and they say, you want to ask us a question here, hook up to our messenger bot and you can ask blah, blah, blah. And the messenger bot parses out using some basic natural language part processing. So the messenger bot is basically botman hooked in your API, the API, your Laravel app takes the questions, tries to process them, tries to look up an answer and then sends a message back to that person. So that botman would be the, the interface layer in between. Yeah, right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Slack makes the most sense for our context. I think we're all sitting and using work, yes. uh, Slack at work every day. And it seems like Slack is adding more and more things that you can do every time, you know, buttons at the bottom and stuff like that. What is the most interesting thing that you have built or seen built uh, with Slack integrations with Botman? I think it's also interesting because Slack got, I think they they moved away from the term chatbot a while ago. And oh, yeah. I think they just called it applica- application. Mm-hmm. And they even integrated like forms that open up with drop, uh, yeah. like uh, Slack boxes, drop downs. So I haven't seen that many Slack bots using Botman. There's one, I forgot the name who built it, but uh, he built a, sl- a Slack game. It's oh, like cool. a dice rolling game. It's called Liar's Dice, I think. Okay. So I obviously could talk about Botman the whole time, but this isn't actually about Botman. Yeah. <laughs> this is about you. So, okay. So Botman, Botman is amazing. There's all sorts of interesting stuff. You also have given, was your, um, do you know if your Laravel talk, Laravel EU talk was is online? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't online. actually watched those. Yeah. Okay, great. So I'll put a link up to your um, Botman talk which is called From Zero to Multi-Platform Chatbot with Botman. So I'll put a link up to that in as well. So let's move on to you. So the first place I always start with everybody is, when did you first get interested in computers or when did you first get access to a computer? So what did your original kind of exposure to computers? I think the the first memory that I have from a computer was I was sitting, I might be like six or seven uh, sitting mm-hmm. in the living room with my father, and I don't remember what kind of computer it was, but we had a book with games. So uh, if you wanted to play a game, there was the source code of yep. the game in the book. Was it basic? Yeah, it was. So yeah, yeah. and so you had to like type it in, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then you got the game. Mm-hmm. I, what I remember, maybe that's also the reason why I remember it, is my father was sitting there and typing everything in, and I, I don't know. I just came at the uh, power adapter and the whole oh. thing crashed. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was kind of frustrated. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. And that was I assume that was like one of those black and green old old uh, DOS yeah. boxes. Very cool. So this is the first memory of sitting yeah, in front so, of Yeah, so early, early you had, I mean, and, and that, and I, I, I try not to, to call out people's ages too much, but I think that you're around my age, around 33. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So thirty-two you know, in April, April thirty-three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're we're almost exactly the same age. So in our generation, it was not all that common, at least in the U.S. I don't know about uh, in Germany, for people to have a home computer. I mean, it was you know at, at when when we were that young, was since your father was the one doing this. Was was your father a was he a geek or he's a no, programmer of any sort? Or? No. Okay. No. <laughs> but he you just happened uh, to have he one. He was he was always interested in it. Yeah. But well, not so much that he really wanted to write more code than there was in the book. <laughs> right. So at what point did your interaction with the computer go from pulling out the plug from your dad typing in basic programs to to you creating things on your own? I think it was uh, in school we had, at the programming class, we wrote uh, Turbo Pascal. You had, wait, what, what age of school are you talking about? Uh, this is like, I think, seventh grade. So I must have been like... 12 13 you had 
programming class when you were 13 years old. Yeah. That's fascinating. I mean, we we yeah. when I was in seventh grade, we had typing class. And I with typewriters or well, no, it was on it was on they were on Macs, but they were oh, okay. old Macs, and we'd all sit around and I would finish the Mavis Beacon thing in five minutes, and then I'd yeah. go try to learn AppleScript and write programs that would infect all the other computers in the network mm. and shut them all down at the same time, you know, <laughs> without the teacher noticing. Yeah. But there was no formal programming <laughs> education. Even in high school, the best we had was an engineering class where the, the teacher would let us go hack around and stuff. But certainly nothing formal. So that's fa- so you learned Turbo Pascal in seventh grade. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And then, How'd that go? Uh, well, I think we moved quite fast from there to Delphi. Where also uh, in the class, there were like a bunch, a handful of people that were always like very fast with all the tasks. And so right. just as you said, had a lot of time. Uh, so we developed like a Trojan, a Trojan horse <laughs> <laughs> to like open the CD trays from the other computers yes, and stuff exactly. like that. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what I was trying to do. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> okay, so so you early on you were deep in the computers. You're writing code. You were you know you were you're hacking at it. What when did you first get into the web? I don't really remember what age I was, but I mean it was like the GeoCities sites. Yeah, like all these crappy. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, I, re- I still remember. Mine was M A slash 1984. I think was was my first two two letters of my name and then the birth year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I, uh, was your first GeoCity site? Do you remember? Uh, no, I just remember that I had uh, like this cool hacker uh, name. It was Dave. <laughs> <laughs> With like lead speak? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. 133744, uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It was a Data 2K. I don't know. Oh, nice. It sounded cool. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, 2K especially. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like it's, it's funny because it seems like I'm either picking people to interview who are like old head PHP dorks or there's something consistent about folks who are kind of like helping lead in our community that a lot of us are from similarish generations. So I'm yeah. I'm curious to see where that goes. But so so you were doing that, you were playing around with it in the side. What did you study? Did you did you study that in university or uh no. Um so here in Germany you, after you finish school you can either go to a university or you can do like training. Mm-hmm. So you go to a company and then you have three years at the company and besides working at the company you also go to school oh is it a school provided by the government or provided by the company uh, no no it's just a po- like like a public school for okay learning the for specific, specific profession trade. yeah got it okay yeah um and so i did that to become a software engineer oh cool and i ended up in a company in bochum um here in germany and i don't even know how to spell that uh, no that that one's not going the show notes (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay cool so yeah that's that's what i did i i wasn't that much into liking school that much back in the days so pretty early on i decided to skip the school part and yeah rather work five days a week so that i can hack on some code uh, so okay. that's what I did, and then just did the tests uh, on my own and learned from them on my own. Got it. Because, so you have you have a pretty straight line from being a little kid watching your dad enter QBasic programs in, through you know learning in school and doing your own GeoCity stuff to being a software engineer and going straight in the industry. Have you at any point felt like 
oh my gosh, this is not what I want to do? Or has it just been pretty clear since early on? Yeah, it's I'm been a programmer, really clear this is my since thing. early yeah. on. That's always That's what cool. I wanted to do. So yeah, and it's always a bit funny when I talk to people that don't really know what they want to do with their lives and what direction they want to go because it was always really clear for me that I want to go into that direction. Interesting. If you today, and I know that you just started your own company in December, so hopefully this is really fresh in your head. If you today were to be able to pick exactly what you were doing day to day, if your company was successful in exactly all the ways you want it to be, what would you be doing with your time? So right now I would say I would still love to write code. Mm -hmm. I heard that you talked about this also with a few other people, what what to do when you're like 40 or 50 years old. Well, right right now I would stay, say that I hope that I still want to write code at that uh-huh. time. Okay. So if you found yourself in a situation where your company just, and we'll talk about your company in a second, but yeah. just took off and it's going really well. You decided to hire five people and all of a sudden you're spending all your time doing administrative work. At that point, you would you think you might say, you know what, I got to I gotta fix this. I got to get back into the code. Is that kind of your sense of it right now? Right now it is, yeah. But I just yeah. started fresh. And well, right. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm really just coming from a lead developer developer role. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. So, all right. So tell me about your company. You you actually, well, so you, you went right into that internship. What's your work history look like? I mean, you don't have to tell me every company, but what kind of stuff you've been doing? Have you been working primarily for software firms or have you been working for, you know, for non-software companies as a software programmer? Uh, no, I I just worked for agencies, like web en- agencies. Got it. The first one was very small for people when I started there, okay. um, which was very cool because I got to do like everything. I had to talk to customers at, and the clients. We had, I mean, it was very small, so we had to do things like setting up email accounts for them. Uh, they, they called if they're, they couldn't set up the email account on their mobile phone Yep. and then they would come in with their phone and stuff like that. Yep. And yeah, the, the second company was also a bigger agency, but still an agency where I did at the first one, I did PHP and then I got a lot into Accelerator Titanium. I thought was gonna say I thought you'd done titanium. Yeah. Tell, so let, let's 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 talk about titanium for a second. Titanium, I feel like, was one of the first like use JavaScript to write multi-platform apps. Yeah. Can you? How is it different and similar from something like like Ionic? Well, the main difference is that while Ionic is just HTML that gets executed on the phone in the browser or in mm-hmm. the web view, Titanium used the JavaScript code that you wrote, and they had proxies for the native languages for Java or Objective-C. And then the JavaScript code would call the native proxy objects that would then execute native code. So when so you it's a little a more button, like a predecessor of React Native. Than yeah, right. A, is, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So is it, I, is it still around? It is. The company got acquired and okay. I, they still develop it, but the time Facebook announced React Native, the community just ran away and went yeah. to Facebook. Yeah, Got it. Okay. Um, sorry, sorry. I interrupted you. So you were doing it at that company and then continue. Yeah. Um, and Titanium was also like my main motivation to work on open source in the first place. I haven't 
done that before, and I uh, started developing titanium modules. So that just just small like user interface sort of like packages. Yeah, right. Yeah, user interface libraries to share, and I put them open source. And I think I did titanium for maybe one and a half years. Okay, mostly titanium, and then also some Java and Objective C to work on some native modules. Mm-hmm. And that during that time, I got a bit away from PHP because also at the time there was no composer. So the right. whole ecosystem wasn't as stable as it is right now. Yeah. So what brought you back? Well, I think it was just a client project. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Did they say PHP or was it web and you had to pick and you just picked PHP because you knew it? Yeah, because I knew it. Um, okay. And also because of React Native. So when React Native was announced, Titanium just pretty much died. Yeah. But I mean, that was pretty recently, right? Well, I... Like a year... No, like half Native ago? is more, around more than a year, I think. Is it really? I mean, I, yeah, I believe you. I, I don't actually know. Okay, so yeah, so let's let's say it may have been as long time as as as, as twenty fifteen. Yeah. So, but so you kind of because I I think a lot of times when I hear people talk about you know I stepped away from PHP blah 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 and I finally came back and they're in the Laravel community. A lot of them came back right around the time when Laravel 4 came out. Maybe I've just got the timeline on that wrong in my head. Where did, when did Laravel 4 come out? Uh, well, when I started uh, working with Laravel, 5 came out. So I, I think okay. I worked with 4 for about a month. So that uh, that is what I was expecting then. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so we started this uh, SaaS product at our company, mm-hmm. and we chose to use Laravel 5. Because uh, I think the main reason was the form requests, yeah. which just blew my mind. I thought they were super cool to yeah. validate stuff. And then we decided to pick up Laravel 5 during the development with the beta. Mm-hmm. That yeah, was no same. good decision. <laughs> I did the same, and it was also a bad decision. <laughs> yeah. We had to fix uh, several things every day. Yeah. And uh, at some point, we just pinned the dependency to one specific commit so we yep. knew okay this is working <laughs> and you just you we'll, build against that commit until he released it and then yeah. you deal with all yep and then it all stays that way for a long time yep <laughs> it's funny yeah and this this timeline does line up here is what i'm seeing is four came out in 2013 five came out in 2015 and yeah. react native was announced probably at some point in 2015 so mm-hmm. so you kind of you were you were deep in Epsilon or, or in Titanium. I mean, you were you were kind of off in that world. And interestingly, you were doing a lot of other mobile stuff. I mean, you talked about getting into Java, getting into yeah. Objective C a little bit. So it was it was it was both Titanium, which is you know JavaScript, but then also the the adapter worlds, which means you got to know a little Java from Android, a little bit of Objective C for Apple. And then you all of a sudden kind of jump back into PHP, and it was Laravel five. Things were modern, Composer, all that kind of stuff. Were you still working for that same consultancy at that point? I think, yeah, must have been sort of at the same time that I switched jobs, yeah. And I didn't do that much. I, I mean, I always did PHP, like, in the afternoon on the couch. <laughs> okay, got it. So it was it was still always, like, your your fun time yeah, right. language. You, yeah. you weren't, like, because I know a lot of people that say they left, they're like, oh, well, I got tired of PHP, and I left for Rails. I got tired of PHP, and I left for .NET or whatever. So you still kind of like had a soft spot in your heart for PHP the whole time. Yeah, right. But okay, but not with the framework. Yeah, at the time. So yeah, I don't did know, you I ever guess. roll your own? You said yeah, your company course. had rolled their own. You yeah. ro- <laughs> Does it have a name? Sure. No, it didn't really have a name. No. <laughs> Never got that far. No. Okay. 
This is so you got you got a pretty classic story here. I mean, it's not obviously everyone's different, but there's you know the uh, a lot of us left at some point. A lot of us came back at some point. But it's interesting for for the amount of impact you've made with Botman. You came back to Laravel pretty recently, and 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 Botman isn't really a Laravel framework either, right? I I feel like it was tied to Laravel at some point. Do you even is it basically just a PHP framework that does it even have a Laravel convenience layer on top of it right now? Yeah, it does. So okay. um it is framework agnostic, but mm-hmm. there's a piece called Botman Studio, which is basically just a blank Laravel 5.5 installation with mm-hmm. some additional Botman like service provider and additional commands, a Got tinker it. page to play around with it and yeah. but it's not tied to Laravel. Got it. Okay, so we've caught up you switched consultancies, you got into Laravel 5, you built Botman, um, you talked about how you built Botman. So let's talk about your company. You know, we chatted on and off about it, but let's pretend that we haven't chatted at all. <laughs> in December, you you formed your own company, you went out on your own. Tell me tell me about it. What's your motivation? What's your goals? What's your desires? What, what made you want to get out of working for other consultancies and start your own thing? And what is your own thing? Okay. So uh, I'm not doing this alone. I'm doing this with uh, a former colleague. He has been a freelancer for a year now already. Mm-hmm. And um, already a year ago when he left the company, we were already thinking about doing something on our own. Uh, and I think the main motivation was, so when when we started this SaaS application at our company, we thought about turning it into a known, its own company, mm-hmm. which they eventually did. So I ended up sitting in a new office with my uh, now business partner and the CEO from this new company. And we basically sat together for like two years just like the two of us working on the product and we just we just knew that the CEO back at the time was a salesperson uh-huh um and how can i put it well a salesperson as a the CEO of a software product yep is difficult yeah and so this was like the main motivation because we had a different idea of the product yeah. Way, where we wanted to go with it and it didn't turn out into that direction. Yeah. So we thought that, well, if we do something on our own, we can give it our best shot. Okay. So is it a similar product to what you originally planned, but since it didn't go the way you originally planned, you're going to go now kind of build? Are you doing product work then? Um. So right now the company is called Beyond Code mm-hmm. and we are, it's sort of a split so we have on the one hand we do projects project work mostly we try to do it for chatbots okay uh obviously so you're a consultancy that builds chatbots for people as a part of what you're doing yeah right yeah okay and on the other hand we want i mean we have botman as the library and Mm -hmm. we want to focus around building like a whole product ecosystem around it. Okay. So that it becomes easier for people to pick it up and use it, like analytics, like bot building systems. So Beyond Code, GmbH, which what does that stand for, by the way? I've never known that, GmbH. I assume it means like limited liability corporation, yeah, right. but the German yeah. version, yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's let's test my German. Gesellschaft mit beschränkte beschränkte Haftung. Yeah. The type of legal. That's quite good. Anyway. All right, I yeah. did okay. Um, so, all right, so Beyond Code is a consultancy that builds 
primarily applications that have chatbots in them and also uses the finances that come from that to further build the ecosystem around Botman, which is a PHP framework agnostic library to make it easy to build the type of applications that Beyond Code is building for people for money. Right. Right? Exactly. Okay. And it makes sense. It's sort of like the, not quite, but like the discourse model where like, hey, there's a free, or the WordPress model. There's a free piece of software. There's also the way to pay us to do it. The money that you pay us to do it makes the free piece of software better. Yeah. Everything feeds and everything else. Okay, that totally makes sense. All right, so that's going forward. So a success of the next couple of years of your life would mean that the work that you're doing for consultancy work, the, the work you're doing for clients, basically allows you to make Botman better. Is that yeah, kind right. of the general... So yep. you mentioned you mentioned analytics. You mentioned kind of understanding what's going on. Are there any other kind of like big kind of next goals or features or things that you want that you can you feel like you can share with us that aren't the secret sauce? Uh, no, not the, not that I can <laughs> share them. No. <laughs> okay, cool. But you got big plans. It's not. Yeah, right. It's not just sitting where it is. It's something no. you're going to grow. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I think that the ability to compellingly get someone excited about the possibilities with a with a chatbot obviously is going to be a big part of what you're doing so I'm glad we had the opportunity for that like I said I'm I'm literally like going to get off this call and go like see how fast I can hack together something <laughs> to send send that one woman you know who went to church with me growing up you know Facebook messenger notifications when uh, my son's podcast goes out okay. so I'm I'm super geeked about that okay let's see what else what what do you do in your free time I mean so so one of the things is that you had such a straight line through programming that I think that I want to know more about what is not programming you. So what what motivates you? I know you got a family. I know you got, you know, one kid? Yeah, one kid. Yeah. One kid. Um, and how old's your kid? Four. Four. Okay. So obviously, you know, spending time with your family is significant, but whether with your family or on your own, what what do you do outside of coding? What motivates you? What excites you? Um, what do you do when you're away from the computer? I I think I have to recalibrate myself a bit because when I uh, was working at the consultancy, mm -hmm. what I was doing uh, in the afternoon was Botman, and now right. I'm doing this <laughs> during the day job. Uh, so, so, so actually, I got to stop you a second. You keep mentioning the afternoon is your free time. What does your schedule look like? So it's mostly nine to five. So when you say in the afternoon, do you mean after five? Yeah, yeah, right. More, oh, okay, uh, sorry, sorry, in the evening. Yeah. In the evening, got in it. Okay. Evening. Yeah. So what you mean is basically your 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 free time hacking time. At your old job, you were doing consultancy during the day, and then Botman stuff at night. But now that Botman's your day job, how do you reorient? <laughs> yeah, I still have to figure that out myself. Yeah, cool. So uh, I'm not that much of like a sport person or anything. Mm -hmm. So I think really my main motivation was to program still uh <laughs> just, you just love coding yeah yeah cool uh and well and other than that it's mostly besides my family of course playing some video games but yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not a gamer but i gotta ask what what kind of games are i mean i don't even know what questions gamers ask are is it pc or consoles that the question they would ask what, what games are you into <laughs> no it's consoles but it's also it's funny and also a bit sad that i just realize that I'm getting old because I'm no longer good <laughs> at these games. I, I no longer can play these games longer. So right. I've always liked, liked these big games that pull you in, like big RPGs, kind of. Mm -hmm. But now with a kid, I, I don't really have the you time have that to much do time. that. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to play for, I don't know, five consecutive hours. 
Right. And if I come back after a few days, I don't want uh, like an hour to find out where was I, what I'm yep, supposed exactly. to do. Uh, See, that's why I love Nintendo. That's one of many reasons why I love Nintendo, because for people with families, Nintendo is good, A, because there's games that you can play with your kids and also like user interfaces yeah. you can play with your kids. But B, there's games that are like you can dip in and out. For yeah, you can bit. just like, pick them up and then, yeah. Yep. Play for yeah. half an hour and then e even done. Zelda is an extremely immersive game. You can still pick it up for twenty minutes here or there. So it's still yeah, that's also too big for me. Zelda that, is. I mean, I can understand it. Yeah. I, I I I when I I played more video games when I played through. You know, I'm not done with Zelda, but I played more video games when I first got the Switch and Zelda than I mm -hmm. have in years. And even so, it was twenty minutes here or there because yeah. of the Switch. I just put it down and it just pauses it. And so yeah. I would, you know, but but I hear you. Super Mario Odyssey is pretty small, and of course Mario Kart I play with my son nearly every yeah. day. So, <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, nice. So now we we have this rule that we play every other day. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I every night became a problem. So I was like, we need to get off. The good thing is my son is super super active. Like I was a lazy kid. Like I didn't ever yeah. do anything. I just want to sit around. My kid, if I let him, we would be outside running around every yeah, day. Yeah, so my I son too. I don't too. have any problems. Yeah. Same way. Yeah. Yeah. So. When I came home from from work. It's usually the first thing that he would tell me was, okay, you can leave your shoes on. We go and go and play some soccer. <laughs> I love it. Okay. That's very cool. Yeah. I think my biggest bummer about the neighborhood we live in right now is that the, um, the, the best thing about it is all the houses are really close and everybody gets to know each other very well. Um, so he's got tons of friends, but the bummer is the yards are so small that like, there's nowhere for us to play without getting in the car and driving oh, okay. somewhere. Okay. Like play yeah. soccer or baseball or something like that. So, but what we end up doing is just running around in the house like crazy people anyway. So, it's <laughs> yeah, his we, favorite we game have right now. Living Go ahead. underneath. So, oh, so you can't, can't do, that. do this oh. all the time. Yep. No, my son's favorite game right now is turn on some music really loud, some like really hype pop music or something like that, and then run around and chase each other and, you know, <laughs> throw throw bouncy balls at each other or try to tickle yeah. each other or something like that while the music plays really loud. I'm like, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Haven't done that in a while. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, what keeps you from getting stuck when you're coding, or what what tools do you use, or what books, or what languages, whatever? How do you get stuck, or how do you keep from just kind of like either on a single pro, pro a problem or on a single framework or single language? What broadens your perspectives? Like what whether it's in the programming world, like some other programming language, or whether it's something about your family or your life, like what helps you keep your brain out of just the the, the really narrow focus of I work in one language, one package all day long? Like what gives you inspiration? So I think recently when we when we had in mind that we're going to start the company, I focused a lot on like the organizational things and mm -hmm. on how to get this even up and running. And so during that time, I was not that much focused on code or on, yeah. on frameworks or anything else because it also meant for me just to get out of the comfort zone and I mean, yeah. become start a company and not have the the safety as an employee. Yeah. So what I'm trying to tell is that during this time, I sort of stepped away from being too close to the coding world a bit. Yeah. And now I'm just catching up again. But I think it's mostly just just talking to other people and exchanging with my business partner, things like mm -hmm. that. I don't, it's not that I use other languages and look into them specifically to, to see new things. Mm-hmm. 
So it's not that I really have the plan on how to broaden my view. Right. I don't know. I think it just happens. Yeah. This way. Yeah. And if I'm if I'm stuck at a specific problem, I just try to go out for a bit and <laughs> step away from the code. Yeah. All right. So I I feel like I promise every time that I'm not going to say I could talk for hours and then I do every time anyway. So, oh, well, I fail. I did it. <laughs> We're nearing time. And so I don't want to start anything new and big. Are there any other big parts of you, your life, your motivation or your work that you feel like we haven't got a chance to cover? No, I think we covered the the important parts, most of all. Okay. Yeah. I like it. What's your favorite candy? Candy. Uh, <laughs> after the whole Christmas uh, <laughs> candy <laughs> mess, uh, we set ourselves as a family a goal to not eat any candy for a week. I like that. My son is doing great. <laughs> I, He's doing I, better than you, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I, I cheated, but he doesn't know. So, um, All right. Well, hopefully he doesn't listen to this. Well, he doesn't understand English, so there you go. That's the way to do it. Reveal your secrets in the in the other language. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, favorite candy. I'm I'm mostly into like some sour candy. So, uh, like like uh, what Skittles in sour? They're pretty good. Really, Skittles sour. I had no idea. Yeah. All right, Skittles sour. Favorite candy. How about you? Oh, I ask this question to people all the time. Yeah. And I I, uh, I don't know if I know the answer. The first thing that came to my mind was Snickers. I think that I like yeah, that, candies yeah, I with chocolate. And I think if it's chocolate plus some things that round it out, those are high on my list. I mean, I really like Almond Joys and Mounds as well. But I think Snickers is probably my top, my top one. I like bread with Nutella, but that's oh, not really candy. So, no, yeah, but I mean, it's yeah. it's basically candy. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. My wife likes to put Nutella on sweet things. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't. I, the Nutella is the sweet. I want it on bread or toast. Just yeah. plain piece of multigrain bread. Put some Nutella on top of it. Good to go. And peanut butter, and then you basically have Snickers. Wait, did you put? Do you put peanut butter and Nutella on the same thing? Sure. I mean, that's literally like Snickers, right? Oh my god, I had never <laughs> thought of that. All right, last story, and then I got to let you go. When my dad, my dad worked for a German company when I was growing up, and he was the president of the U.S. distributor of a German-based company. So he okay. would fly over to Germany pretty frequently, mm -hmm. and he would bring Levi's jeans and peanut butter to Germany because it was hard for them to get, and he'd bring back German chocolate and Nutella because it was hard for us to get. And you can get yeah. Nutella in the grocery stores now, but back then you couldn't. And so every time dad came home, we would get Nutella and we'd try to keep <laughs> these couple jars of Nutella to last until the next time you went to Germany. So, Okay. So next time I see you, you get some Nutella. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of Nutella here, so we'll have to yeah, pick something else to Yeah, but not the German trade, one. Yeah, oh, there, yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. All right, Marcel, this was a ton of fun talking to you. Thanks for taking yeah. some time. Thank you for Botman. I'm seriously going to go distribute my son's podcast using it. So uh, you can expect me to bother you with <laughs> no problem with, with requests for help sometime soon. Um, Thank you for all right, inviting um, me. So how can people follow you? And uh, I guess go star Botman. But uh, what's what 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 is following up? Do you look like? Well, I think the easiest way to connect with me is on Twitter. All right, I'll make sure your handle's linked in the show notes. So. Okay. Or if people want to talk about Botman, I have the Slack team of Botman where you can join. Oh, I think we're nearly go. 500 people in there. All right. We'll link that in the show notes too. 
Got it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. And until next time, everyone, see you later. Bye.